Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Good morning, Connect Church. Hey, I want to do this real quick. Can we just love on the Lord for a moment? Just love on Jesus for a moment. You know, that last song, Speaking the Name of Jesus, it looks like I may have some mic problems. I might take just one. Let me do a handheld. You got me? Am I good? Hey, I want to say this about the last song. And that is, that is my goal every time we meet together. uh, To speak and to to sing and to, to shout the name of Jesus. It's not calling anybody to a pastor or to a, to a church, but the opportunity we have together to sing his name, to, to shout his name, just to speak his name. Because you know what we're convinced of here at Connect Church? That Jesus makes all the difference in the world. Amen. We love him. And we want to make much of him together to continue our work in connecting everyone to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're just so glad we get to do that together today. Now, I want to say this, uh, man, what a wonderful weekend, and we'll share more about that later on, with night to shine and how, how God moved. I know the conversation of this whole weekend really culminates in a game tonight, right? Uh, that's what the talk is. This is Super Bowl Sunday. By the way, how many Eagles fans do we have in the house? All four of you. God bless you. So good. Yes, I, I see those hands. Uh, how many Chief fans do we got in the house? All right, a little more. How many are in it just for the food this afternoon? That is my bow. Hey, listen, as we celebrate the Chiefs winning tonight, I want to share this with you. Um, I want to share this. What goes on in these next few moments and what has already taken place is far more life-changing across churches, all across our community and across this world. Far more life-changing and life-giving than any Super Bowl could hope to be. And, you know, the truth is, we're going to have a lot of fun watching the game tonight. But it is infinitely more rewarding and satisfying gathering together as his church and making much of Jesus. So thank you for being here uh, today. Um, We return to this clandestine conversation between the Christ and a curious religious leader by the name of of Nicodemus. We've been camped out, in fact, in this verse now on week number five. And I don't know if you've heard it yet, so just in case you hadn't, here it is. For God, Jesus would tell Nicodemus, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, I want to say something. In the version I preach from, this word is whoever. But you hear me say whosoever all the time. All I'm merely doing is going King Jimmy on you, right? I'm going back King James Version because I love the word whosoever. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So today, we are going to focus on this text alone. The part of the text that says whosoever believes in him. And I'm going to invert that just for a little bit. We're going to focus first on the phrasing, believes in him. And ask the question, who is the him upon which Nicodemus must believe? Who is the him upon which Nicodemus can find salvation and life everlasting? And listen, as we read the verse, it is, it is no question. There is no mess up here. 
There's no way to misunderstand it. The very hymn in the text is the Son of God that God gave to the world and for the world. The only, the one and only Son of God. It is Jesus. Jesus is the hymn whom Nicodemus must believe for salvation. Can I just remind you, church, this morning, that it was important for Jesus to convey to Nicodemus where salvation is found and by doing so also where salvation cannot be found. Hey, Nick, your salvation cannot be found in your religion, but only through the saving relationship Jesus is offering up. Hey, hey, Nicodemus, your salvation cannot be found in your family tree as a Jew, but in faith alone. In Jesus. Hey, hey, Nicodemus, salvation cannot be found in your good works. Rather, salvation is found in the finished work of Jesus who died on the cross and who emptied the grave. It's a reminder to us today, and it's so important. Hey, listen, your mom and dad's faith can't save you. Because you live in the South, in America, doesn't mean that you're saved. Hey, just because you come to church and you say you're a Christian does not mean that you are his. You are saved alone by believing in and following Jesus. And that is what Jesus is conveying to Nicodemus. But what does it mean to believe? That's a word kind of like love that in the English language we throw around a whole lot. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love pizza, right? I I believe in Jesus. I believe in you. I believe in Santa Claus. I believe I can fly, right? So we throw this word around a whole lot in our culture, so much so that if we're not careful, it loses its meaning. Now, here's some things I want to share with you. The believing that Jesus speaks of in John chapter 3, verse 16 is a believing that is important and far deeper than sometimes how we use the word. But let me tell you what that believing is not. Let me tell you what Jesus is not conveying. That believing, first of all, that believing is just knowing a set of facts about Jesus. Believing is not just an intellectual acknowledgement of Jesus alone. And believing is not just knowing the truth of who Jesus is. Consider what James argues, the passage we used last week in James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there is one God? Good! Even that old devil and his demons believe that. And the Bible says they shudder. The devil and his demons know the truth of who Jesus is. And hear me, they believe in Jesus. But what is the difference between the devil's belief and the Christian believing in Jesus? You ready? Here it is. The devil's belief is based on a set of facts and truth of who Jesus is. But, and here's the difference, such knowledge does not lead that old devil. It doesn't lead him to treasuring him and following Jesus. In fact, we see it's quite the contrary. But then we think of the believer and the Christian who have the same belief in the same set of facts and the truth about who Jesus is, yet such belief leads them not only to following Jesus, but to celebrating him, to enjoying him, and to treasuring him. 
And I want you to hear me, a belief that doesn't lead to a following of Jesus, a celebrating of him, an enjoying of him, a treasuring of him is not the saving belief spoken of in John chapter 3. Verse 16, you ready? It's a belief that just hangs out here and never, never falls down here and never makes a difference in a person's life. Basically, the word believe in the New Testament means this, you ready? To put your full faith, to put your full confidence, to entrust your life to. Let me illustrate this for you if I could. Uh, this, a few, about last month, I would say, I took just a few of our team over to the Sky Bridge. Anybody been to the Sky Bridge in Gatlinburg? Did you raise your hand? Terrifying. Let me tell you something about Sky Bridge. It's scary. You should do it because you like stuff like that, but I'm going to tell you, I love it, but it's a little bit scary. Now, we all got up there. We're standing right here on the platform. Uh, one of our church members works up there, and we're having a conversation. She's like, let me take a picture before you go out there. And I'm like, why? <laughs> Is there a chance we're not coming back? Anyway, and he's like, let me just take a picture. And I'm going to tell you something. We stood there for a minute, and we looked out over the bridge. We knew people had been on it. We saw some people on the bridge at the time. And I'm going to tell you something. We believe that that bridge could hold us as we stood there safely on the platform and not on the bridge. All our belief was up here. Now, Adam, you, you're up there all the time. You know one of the things, Adam, uh, that I, I got to thinking about when I was on the platform? The guy in China who put these parts together, who made these parts, did he really think about me walking on that bridge? The guy who made the glass, are you sure? He thought about somebody in my girth and statue standing on that glass, but you know what? As I stood on the platform, I believed it could hold me. But you know what? I didn't really believe the bridge could hold me until I walked out on that bridge with our team, until I entrusted my life to the engineers behind it. And I, and I walked out onto that bridge, and shockingly, as a miracle of modern engineering, it held me there. In fact, it was a little hard to get that belief to sink down from my head to my heart, but it was even harder for Pastor Dominic to do so. In fact, I think we have actual footage of him on the bridge, if we could show it. Let's see. Um, wait, wait, that's the noise. That, that's, we're not seeing the video yet, but we see the noise. Of what that is. Now, there we go. I don't know how the video didn't get there. That's just actual footage of Dominic. No, actually, uh, that, that's the wrong video. Show the actual video from the day. Would you team in the back? That's him at the end. He just can't do the glass. Hey, listen, a couple things I'm convinced of. Number one, that was the first time he ever ran in his life. Um, I could tell by the way he ran. But man, we had so much fun. But I'm going to tell you something. It's one thing to stand on the platform and just to have this head knowledge, this belief that the bridge will hold you. It's another thing to walk out onto the bridge and entrust your life to it. Hey, by the way, the same is true about Jesus. It's one thing to know about him up here. It's another thing for you to take a step of faith to entrust your life to him and to walk with him and to follow him in this life. You see, that's the picture of what believing is, to put your full faith and trust in Jesus, Nicodemus, who he is as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And let me tell you something, such believing 
changes absolutely everything. You know, up until about the age of 15, I knew about Jesus up here. And we had been to the Catholic Church from time to time, and I'd heard about him all my life. But you know, my belief in Jesus, as, even as the Son of God, was all right here until one day I heard the gospel at the age of 15 at a beach camp. And all of a sudden, that knowledge went from right here and dropped down into my heart. And it wasn't just enough to believe and to know about him up here. I remember the day that I placed my faith and my trust in Jesus and I began following after him, walking with him, in saving faith, believing in Jesus. I'm reminded of a conversation that was had between Adrian Rogers, the late great pastor of Bellevue Church. And man, I love listening to him preach. And he was in Romania with Pastor Yosef a pastor who had been persecuted for many years under communism. Well, Adrian was over in Romania, and there he would preach a series of revivals and meetings, and, and Pastor Yosef was his translator. Well, before one meeting, Adrian Rogers looked at Pastor Yosef and said, um, what's your perspective? Man, what do you think about the American church? And here's what his response. Joseph said this, Pastor Adrian, there is a key word in the American church that is no good. There is a key word used by the American church that is no good. And Adrian Rogers said, really? What word is that? And he said, commitment. Commitment. He said, back in the 1960s, this word commitment began to dominate the American church and it is no good. And Adrian Rogers would tell that he would go back and research the word. Because anytime a word kind of rises above the rest, it always replaces a word that used to be used. And Adrian Rogers found the word that commitment replaced. You ready? And here's the word it was surrender. That at some point in the church in America, the word surrender was replaced by commitment, and Pastor Yosef said, it's no good. He said, in fact, Brother Adrian, if you were to go and to preach tonight and you were to use the word commitment, I would have no word in my language to translate that for you. And Adrian Rogers began to think. I said, why do you think that is? And he said this to Pastor Adrian, Pastor Yosef did. You see, when it comes to commitment... You're still in control. I could commit to do something. I could uncommit. I could commit this part of my heart, my life to the Lord, and not commit this part. You see, at every point in commitment, you're still in control. All but surrender. Surrender is giving up all control to God and his will for our lives. And then you know what you begin to see? Exactly why Americans love the word commitment. Because we're still in control. Oh, but such believing that Jesus is calling Nicodemus to is a believing that says to the Lord, I surrender all control to you. Believing is, is in Jesus is surrendering your life to Jesus and following him. But who is it that can believe? Who is it that can believe? Is it only the righteous? Is it only the religious? Like Nicodemus, but who is it that can believe? And then we see that Jesus puts a name to those who can believe. You ready? That even a whosoever can believe. 
This all-encompassing word that, that, uh, that even a whosoever can't believe. Now listen, I, I, love, I love theology and I've been in theological circles where there's the argument that not every whosoever can believe and be saved. And really the argument comes down to this. Did I choose God or did God choose me? And the biblical answer to both of those questions, you ready, is yes. Guys, I'm going to tell you, I love his word. I've got some degrees in it. But I'm going to tell you what I cannot explain, what still is a mystery to me. It's where the sovereignty of God and the free will of man intersect in salvation. Listen, I'm going to tell you, there's a mystery there that I can't wrap my mind around. And you know what? I think God's pretty comfortable with me not wrapping my mind around. And I find great peace there. And at the same time, I look at a passage of Scripture like this, this invitation of Jesus to all people, to all whosoever's to just believe in him. And so as a church, we remain steadfast as believers in our goal to connecting every whosoever to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember this when you read your Bible. The elect spoken of in 2 Peter 1.10 are the whosoever's who are saved by Jesus the predestined of Scripture found in Ephesians 1.5 are the whosoever's who by faith follow Jesus. The chosen of Scripture in 1 Peter 2.9 are the whosoever via God's grace have believed in Jesus. And so you know where that leaves me? With this one statement. I thank God that I'm a whosoever. And that you're a whosoever here today. We, we must remember this. That as much as we love being a whosoever, we are called of God, commissioned by Christ, and empowered by his spirit to equally love and reach whosoever's with the gospel of Jesus. But the question becomes, where do we find these whosoever's? Where are they at? Where is it that we could put our hands on them? Who are the ones that we should be reaching? Well, we realize this, that this entire room is filled with whosoever's. That every corner of our community, every isolated driveway out in the country, at the end of that road is a whosoever. We find whosoever's in our, in our prisons. I, I want to share this with you. Um, just about last month or a month and a half ago, and I, I had a chance to speak with a young man who's in prison in one of our jails. And, and man, one of the things as we began to talk about Jesus and him walking with Jesus, one of the things he asked me for was a life recovery Bible upon which I bought, brought it to the jail. They put it with his stuff because you cannot offer one prisoner access to something and not buy every other prisoner a Bible. And so right before Christmas, I said, if that's the case... Let's buy everybody a Bible, a life recovery Bible. And you did just that, raising over $10,000 to supply every prisoner a Bible. Hey, can I show you something real quick? This was the text I got this past week. It's hard to see. This is like a FaceTime feature in the prison. You know what that is? One of your Bibles in the hands of one of the prisoners. You see, his sister got a chance to FaceTime him. And he held up to her, this Bible. By the way, the young man holding this Bible is the whole reason we spent over $10,000 to buy everybody a Bible so that that whosoever could have access to God's word. Uh, listen to what 
was shared in the text. And Jason wrote me, she said, my brother called me in tears, thanking our church for the Bibles. He said they've been doing Bible studies in their pods at nighttime. And he asked me to thank Connect Church. And he reminded her that God's not done with him. Yeah. Amen. He's a whosoever. You know, this past Friday night, we gathered in here with a lot of loud music, a red carpet. There was even some dancing, and so if you're a Baptist in here, you should be really offended, right? You should, it should really hurt your feelings. But I'm going to tell you, we, we came together as a church to love on a segment of our community that is some of the most reached in all of the United States. Our special needs families, guys, listen to me, over 90% of them are unchurched because it's too hard to come to church. And so on Friday night, we gathered together with some handsome whosoevers like this guy right here who knew how to dance that night away with, with this girl right here who knew how to dance. And I'm going to tell you the whole night, she smiled just like this. Whosoever's like her, I had the honor of my life to be asked by Malika to escort her down the red carpet. A young lady who was burned and blinded at a young age and just simply beautiful as people cheered her on. That night, I love this picture of Joey. That's him. We had a limo here that would take all of our honored guests around that circle. And I'm going to tell you something. They love the limo ride. Whosoever's like Joey. And I remember looking at the crowd of people, these kings and queens on Friday night, just simply being reminded of how much God loves whosoever's. Whosoever's like me and whosoever's like them. Whosoever's who are in a facility near downtown at the annex. That God loves whosoever's. But are whosoever's only found in, in severe county, only in our neighborhoods? Oh, the truth is, is no. Consider the city of Denver, Colorado. A population of 4.7 million people, and of that 4.7 million people, north of 3.2 million of them are lost and apart from Christ. Anywhere between 92 and 96% of the people, depending on where they live in the Denver area, are unchurched and do not identify as a Christian. Guys, we're talking numbers and percentages that are seen in Muslim countries over in the Middle East. And this is in America. To put that in perspective, watch this, you ready? There's one marijuana dispensary for every 2,006 people in the city. There is one brewery for every 7,666 people in Denver. Mom, you cannot go, okay? Just wherever you are, you cannot go there. Listen, you ready? But when it comes to the church, there is one like-minded church for every 50,000 people in the city. And just outside the city, one like-minded church for every 32,500 people. You know what those statistics stream to me? There's a lot of whosoevers who are lost in a city in America. 
And so with your generosity, this past year, we went into a partnership, locking arms with a couple of brand new church plants in the Colorado area, in the suburbs, in the community surrounding Colorado. Your generosity every month is fueling ministry there so that we can lock arms, we can work alongside of these church plants who are doing everything they can to reach whosoever's with the gospel. In fact, I want to introduce you uh, to Pastor Josh Ella from River Church. He's going to be on the screen. And I want you to see one of our partners who's doing everything he can to reach whosoever's in the Denver area. Take a look at the screen if you would. I love Josh and I love his family and got to spend some time, some hours there with him in Denver and his heart for the people. And here's the one thing I got to make sure is that, man, he just doesn't have a heart for saved whosoever's, but that he has a heart to reach lost whosoever's. And he does, and your generosity goes to fund him and his family and his ministry there. Hey, the second pastor I'm going to introduce to you is Doug Hickson. Man, I love him. He's just outside of Boulder, Colorado. And in an area called Longmont, and listen to me, the Boulder City Council has said this, we will not, out loud, out loud, has said, we will not approve any more churches building in our area. Hey, in, in America, we will not approve. And so the only way you can get a church building in that area is if another church dies and gives it to you. How heartbreaking. But listen to their story. Meet Pastor Doug, reaching whosoever's. Going to be very usable 
when it comes to handicap accessible and meeting certain codes for our city. We're going to have to do some re renovation and open some walls up and uh, reconfigure some spaces. So we sit in the worship center, and this is in the basement, eight foot ceilings. And so as we look at the long-term use of this property, of this building, one of the things we're praying about is the potential building of a new worship space uh, that would uh, allow us to move out of this space to turn this into a legal kids space uh, to allow us to love and serve families and children. Um, and so we're excited about the potential expansion uh, on this property to build something that would immediately uh, fit our needs as a church. Walmart needs a church that would love them where they are, that welcomes them in whatever shape they come, and is faithful to teach and preach the truth. Join me in praying Ephesians 3.20 that God would do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And the people that we reach in this city, and the resources that we need to make these renovations to this new space. And then come and join us as we serve together to reach Longmont and Northern Colorado with the gospel. We love you guys, and we're grateful that you're standing with us on this journey as we follow Jesus and serve him in Colorado. And so there it is. Hey, listen, not only are there whosoever's in our own community, but whosoever's all across our nation and all across our world will celebrate a partner at the end of our generosity time. And Hear me, at any point, at any chance we get as a church, we will lock arms with any church, with any believer, whose heart it is to reach whosoever's who have yet to believe. But I'm going to tell you, not everybody's on board with this idea. In our culture, in our community, in fact, I go within a generation of Jesus and I find a Greco-Roman philosopher by the name of Celsus. I want to I read something to you here in a moment of what he wrote. Let me tell you why this joker's famous. You ready? The only reason he's famous is because within a generation of Jesus, as the church was being birthed in Acts, and the time the church began to flourish, this guy was out there writing some hate stuff about the church. He was attacking the church, and thus one of the reasons why we still know his name today. I want to read something that he wrote in that second century. Now, I've modernized some of the language just because I, I didn't know how to pronounce those words. And so anyway, so I've modernized it, but I want you to listen to this attack by Celsus on the church. And here's what he writes. That those of other religions... And they're looking for a certain type of people. Those whose hands are pure, whose words are wise. They look, and by the way, this is his language, they look for whosoever that are pure from all sin, whose souls know nothing of evil, and who have lived well and righteously. These are the people who these religions are looking for, he writes. But, but, who is it that these Christians seek Whosoever is a sinner, Celsus writes, whosoever is unwise, whosoever has childlike faith, whosoever is a wretch and the kingdom of God will receive them, is not a sinner dishonest, a thief, a burglar, a prisoner, an ungodly person. I love what he says here. Why on earth this preference for sinners? Why on earth a preference for I thank God for his preference of sinners. Who else 
does God have access to? What other pond can he fish from than that of sinners who are broken in desperate need of the gospel and the only types of people that Jesus through faith can make whole? Man, if Celsus were to stand here today and I'd have a chance, he'd come down after the service, we'd talk for a minute. I'd listen to his attacks on Christianity. And you know what I'd tell him? In light of your question, why the preference for sinners? You know what I'd share to him? This truth. Celsus, let me, let me share something. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, even you, Celsus, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, meaning this, Celsus, you don't have to die spiritually, but can have everlasting life. Celsus, why the preference for sinners is because God loves sinners and God loves whosoever's. Can I tell you something about every person in this room? on this quest to find whosoever's, can I just remind you that every person in the room is a whosoever? But what is the difference? The difference is, are you a whosoever who has believed in Jesus? And I'm not just talking up here, but I'm talking it sinks down here. Believed in such a way that by faith you are walking with him. And then there's whosoever's in the room who have not believed or who have yet to believe. And so I have a question for you. For the whosoever's in the house, and you say, I've believed in Jesus, man, I'm saved, and I'm his. Let, let me ask you a question about your schedule this last past week. Let me ask you a question about your calendar. Show me on your schedule, show me on your calendar, where a whosoever who is yet to believe is on your schedule, on your calendar, where you sat down and you spent some time helping them to believe. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. If you are a whosoever who has believed, then it is on us to take whosoever's who have yet to believe and help them to believe in Jesus. And so I simply ask, man, where on your calendar is that? Well, where is it on your calendar that you met somebody at a coffee shop just so that you could pray over them and teach them how to pray? Hey, where, where on your calendar this coming week do you have time set aside to a whosoever who's close to you who's yet to believe where you're going to sit down and open the word of God to them and do as Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Hey, be imitators of Christ as I'm an imitator of Christ. Hey, be a follower of Jesus as I'm a follower of Jesus. Can I ask you a question this morning? Who is your whosoever? who is yet to believe in Jesus, who is the whosoever that you're helping to believe? Guys, you might be tempted to say, well, that's the, that's the church's job. Exactly. Lest you forget that the church is not this building, but it's a body. That the church is a program. No, no. It's a people. That the church is some organization. No, it is an organism. It is you who has been made alive in Jesus Christ. It is the church's job. It's your job. If you are a whosoever who's already believed in Jesus, who is your whosoever? But Anthony, what kind of whosoever is God looking for? A couple years ago, I shared a list with you from Pastor Tim Miller at Severe Heights Baptist Church. I Man, I love him. I love his family. I'd heard him preach on this, and I and I had a, he had come up with a list that I really liked. I said, "Can I steal that from you?" 
Do you mind if I use that? And he said yes. And so you know what? Let me remind you who it is that God loves. Let, let me remind you with the alphabet, the whosoever's that God's looking to save. You see, in the A's, we find ambulance drivers and accordion players and airplane pilots, artists, astronauts, Anglicans, astrologers, adulterers, atheists, and addicts. Hey, those are the whosoever's that God so loves. Then I find that there are babies and Bible readers, Bill Nye the Science Guy, Bruno Mars, Boy Bands, Blondes, Burnett's the Bully, the Bully, the Brave People, the Bossy People, the Bitter People, and even Bummed Out People. There are Canadians, Cambodians, Cubans, Mark Cuban, Chris Stapleton, coaches, congressmen, crooks, creeps, cheaters, church haters, church hiders, church members, and country music singers. Who are the whosoever God loves? Die-hard seat savers, die-hard churchgoers, dads, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, or whatever name he goes by now, Drake, Dre, deadbeats, drag racers, disc golfers, disc jockeys, distillers, and divorced people. God loves Elvis impersonators, environmental activists, evolutionists, Eminem, and Ed Sharon. He loves faithful, faithless, fearful, the fearless, firefighters, people in Finland and France, and people who think Philippians is spelled with an F. He loves them all. God loves people, good people, great people, generous people, greedy people, glamorous people, gullible people, grouchy people, and goofy people. God loves happy people, hateful people, homeless people, hairy people, hurting people, helpless people, hopeless people, hell raisers, and heartbroken people. God loves people from India, people from Indiana, introverted people, intense people, and even IRS auditors. I'm not sure that's in there. Anyway, God loves... Late night talk show hosts named Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel. Singers named Justin Timberlake and Justin Bieber. He loves people from Kodak in Kansas, Kanye. He loves kids, karate instructors, and even people from Kentucky. God loves people living in L.A., people living in lower Alabama, people who feel lousy about themselves, librarians, landscapers, lawyers, and moms who pack lunch boxes. God loves ministers and missionaries, Mennonites, Methodists, people that are malicious, meticulous, mischievous, mysterious, and people who collect marbles and people who've lost all their marbles. God loves Nicole Richie, Nicole Kidman, Nick Jonas, Nick Cannon, Nick Lachey, Nick Nolte, Nicholas Cage, and even Nick Saban. God loves obstetricians, orthodontists, ophthalmologists, and people who write obituaries and good old southern gospel bands. God loves people professors, preachers, photographers, prostitutes, popular people, poor people, and police. God loves and loved the Queen of England, Queen Latifah, quick stop workers. He loves retired people, Russian people, Rwandan people, real estate agents, and rappers. God loves soldiers, single people, people who live in South Africa, South Dakota, South Carolina, Sevier County. He loves smokers, Steph Curry, social media influencers, or suicidal people, and Sunday school teachers. God loves Tom Hanks and Tom Brady. Tom Cruise, Tom Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, Thomas Red, Tennesseans, and he even loves telemarketers. No, he doesn't. Um, he does, he does. God loves unemployed people, people from the United Kingdom, the United Arab Emirates, the United States. God loves used car salesmen, umpires, and ushers that work at movie theaters. God loves vegetarians, veterinarians, vegans, the Vols, people in Vietnam, and people who live in Virginia. God loves Will Ferrell and Will Smith, William Shatner, waitresses and weirdos. God loves x-ray technicians. God loves zookeepers. And hear me, God loves the whosoever that is you. Tall you, short you, heavy you, skinny you, dark you, pale you, old you, young you, employed you, unemployed you. 
Popular you, outcast you, happy you, sad you, content you, confused you. So just to give you an inexhaustive list of the whosoever's that God loves. In fact, you know what? Let me, let me do this just as we close. Let me pull from this past week the whosoever's that God loves. I didn't know this guy until this past week. Not because I watched the Grammys, but because I'm on Facebook and I saw Christian after Christian absolutely go after this guy. Apparently his name is Sam Smith. Apparently during the Grammys, there was a worship concert to Satan or the likes. I can only tell you how ridiculous it was because look how ridiculous he looks. But I've watched person after person tear him down for what took place at the Grammys. Now, mind you, I have not watched it. I will not watch it. And just, there's a reason I don't watch the Grammys. And here's one of the big reasons why. But as people begin to tear him down, you know the overwhelming thought that I saw every time his picture was posted? Sam Smith is a whosoever. And I don't know him. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But I see a man who's dearly loved by God. A man who God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for his sins, his shame, even his rebellion. And I look at Sam Smith, you know what I think? That he's a whosoever and what I've prayed for him. Again, I don't know this guy, but I've prayed over him this week. And you know what I prayed? That one day that he would believe in Jesus. That one day Jesus would meet every one of his needs, satisfy his longings, and would save his soul. Who are the type of whosoever's that God loves? Even a guy dressed up like this. And one last example. This is the picture of a dad in Turkey in the Syria area. He's sitting outside of his apartment complex, which was reduced to rubble, and he is holding the hand of his daughter, who has been crushed underneath the rubble. And he's just sitting there holding her hand. I don't know anybody from Turkey or, or Syria. Man, I'm a dad. My heart breaks for this whosoever, whatever his name is. The whosoever of his daughter who's trapped and dead in the rubble. And I'm reminded even in the grief and the devastation of an earthquake, now near 30,000 people are dead. That that's 30,000 whosoever's that are loved by God. That he's loved by God in the hardest days of his life. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Thank God you and I are whosoever's. But at the same time, we have, been, we have been called of God. We've been commissioned by Christ. We've been empowered by His Spirit to love and to reach every whosoever because God loves them. Let's pray together, can we? As we pray, um, can, can I just provide you a minute where you are sitting to worship. Now wait a second, Anthony, the PowerPoint's not on in the
band's not playing. No, no, listen. What's the beautiful thing about worship is you can't just, you can't confine it to words on a screen and a band on a stage. But if you are a believer in here, if you are the whosoever who has believed in Jesus, can I just provide you maybe a minute to sit there and to soak it in and to worship him from your seat to say, thank God, thank you, God, that I'm a whosoever. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.